0: I'm Richard Skirk, a real alcoholic. Hi, Richard. The reason why I say I'm a real alcoholic is on page 21. When I got here, I didn't know what I was. But my sponsor showed it to me in the book, and it says, but what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may uh, or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking career, begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption. Once he starts. And you read that. And then this over here applies to me also. Perhaps he goes to a doctor, gives him morphine or some more sedatives with with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. Uh, I'm a native Arizonian, uh, born in Tucson, raised in Globe, Arizona. I got an older brother, younger sister. We're about three years apart, all of us, and I don't know if my brother is, or I don't know if my sister is, but she was in the program at one time, but she doesn't need it no more, and that's okay. Uh, You know, uh, I got out of high school, graduated woodshop rowdy. I learned how to run real fast and uh, track and play football hard, and I took all the All the shop classes I could and all the math classes I could. And I was forced to take Latin because that was my uh, religion thing. Uh, I was raised in a Catholic religion, which I don't uh, practice anymore, but that's okay. I'm glad they're there. Uh, I graduated from school, went to the mines right away, and uh, lasted about uh, maybe four months in the mines. And... uh, I got in trouble with the law, and they sentenced me to four years in the state penitentiary in Florence. And they gave me an option of four years in the service, and I went to Vietnam for uh, two years. Um, I got out of service, I did them two tours over there, I was a river rat, I was crazy, I loved it, but I was crazy. And uh, when I came back, uh, they put me in a mental institution. Uh, they didn't discharge me from the service right away, but took me to Balboa Mental Institution. And I spent uh, about six months in a mental institution, and they gave me papers that said I was a paranoid schizophrenic the United States government. And uh, they stripped me of all my medallions, uh, my war stuff, But that's okay. Uh, I feel bad about guys coming home today and girls. I know what some of them must go through, but I know what I went through. Anyhow, uh, Barry Goldwater, who was a senator at the time for the state of Arizona, he got me out of the hospital. Uh, through my dad. And uh, I was discharged from the mental institution with an honorable discharge. And uh, I went on my merry way. Uh, I came back to Arizona, and uh, I was living on $13 a week unemployment. I was having fun, drinking a lot. Um, when I was over there, I got into... a uh, More than drinking, because when you go up rivers, you don't want to go to sleep. Uh, I go up the rivers for 14 days, maybe 10 days, and uh, never slept. And alcohol didn't keep you awake. It was other things that I took. So when I got home, I didn't know what it was. All I know is I needed to get high. I didn't care how, who, what. I'd do anything that I could do. That's why I'm a real alcoholic, because I didn't know what I was when I got here. And uh, any of you, uh, when I got back, I ended up living here in Phoenix for a while and, and marrying a gal and moving to Parker, Arizona, because I needed to be on the river, and the Colorado River was there, and I spent uh, four years up in Parker on the river. I was a tornado, <clears throat> uh, I was working construction, that's all I could do, you know, a drunk like me but I was fu- functioning drunk, but uh, I had to be, I had to be there all the time, it had to be something. And uh, because of what I was feeling I didn't want to feel no more and uh, I felt it for a long time. I went through that lady, uh, had a child with her, had one daughter. Uh, Married almost ten years to that one, and uh, she finally kicked me out of the house. And uh, we were living in Las Vegas, and I was doing turnarounds up Laughlin, Nevada, at the power plant. And I remember sitting on Hoover Dam on the backside with my feet dangling and and a beer between my legs, and uh, trying to get the courage to jump. And some guy and a girl came by on a motorcycle, and I heard them go by me. <clears throat> and they came walking about to the middle of the and the guy goes, Hey, we just broke down. Can you give us a lift to Wickenburg? Or, yeah, I think it was Wickenburg. I don't know. I had a truck at the time, and I said, Sure. And he said, Okay. And I said, No, help me down. <laughs> I remember that vividly. And them two, those two were angels in my life. Looking back at it, I remember it, but I didn't, didn't do it. I guess I was, I wanted to, but I was afraid to. I was full of fear. Uh, I don't know what I was afraid of. I mean, I'm badass, you know, that's what I thought, but I had a lot of fear once I got sober. Um, the last two years of my drinking, I really don't know much about. Uh, I know I was working up in the copper mines one more time up at Pennell Valley, right outside of Miami, <clears throat> as a pipe-fitter welder. I don't remember much of that last two years of my drinking. I, I don't remember. I do know I had 14 DWIs. Um, I liked to drink and drive. Uh, I, I just went everywhere. I just didn't feel comfortable sitting in anybody's place. I didn't feel comfortable sitting in this bar. But I felt comfortable with a bunch of beer, a bunch of aukies, in my truck, and driving, and being in charge, and getting stopped, getting pulled over. Been in Yuma, Pine Top. Uh, there's a there's a place right before you get to Parker. that junction there before you get into Quartzsite and uh, and Parker. Turn off. I forget the name of that little town right there. What? Not so long. Yeah, Sloan. So they got a jail there. They got two gates there. One goes in, get in, another one, and you're in a cell and a deck of cards of bowling. I think it was about 48 cards. I spent some time in there. That was my 13th DWI. They got me on a hit and run, felony cocaine possession, felony cocaine uh, transportation, DWI, da da da. Yeah, you know, I tried to tell the people the stuff that was in the car was mine. It was not for sale. I needed it because I was going to Lake Havasu to party for the weekend. And I needed that much stuff just to party. And Anywho. But uh, the mines finally closed. I ended up, I, I worked there two years. And within one week I was homeless. Uh, I didn't have no money. I was making good money. Didn't have no money. I ended up being a homeless Vietnam vet uh, down at uh, 3rd Street in Washington. The blood bank was on one side, and right across the street was uh, the deuce. If anybody's familiar with the area. I loved going in the bars down there because there was no mirrors. It was very dark and dungy, and I was drinking Mad Dog 2020 at that time. I don't know what happened, but... uh, I can tell you this, my last drunk was in November of, uh, 82, and, uh, I woke up, opened my wallet, nothing in it except a phone number, and I called this number, and they said, uh, this is ARP, and I said, what's ARP, and she goes, this is a call T. Hayden, uh, Veterans Hospital alcohol recovery program, and I said, oh, okay. I don't remember much after that except being at the hospital, and uh, I died. They had a code blue on I me, and they came up on the fifth floor and uh, resuscitated my heart. Uh, I was 31 at the time, and uh, I died up there from alcohol poisoning, and they resuscitated me, and uh There was no place to set me on the 5C, but 5D is where the mental institution was at the time. There was a bed open there, and they put me in there uh, until bed opened. And I did the Thorazine shuffle one more time, and that ain't fun. Uh, When I came off that alcohol, uh, all it was was aspirins and Thorazine and... uh, I was crazy. I was totally crazy. Um, I was having these, uh, blackouts, uh, DTs. I had a wasp attacking me. And when I was a kid, I had a brand new baseball bat and I put some tape on it. And I walked up to this big old hive and I and all these bees and wasps and everything attacked me when I was a little kid, and I had spent some time in the hospital. And since I got sober, I think that's what them DTs were all about, was them wasps and bees back on me, because that was such a trauma when I was a kid. I really believed that. I mean, I don't know, but just, you know, I believed it. And uh, anyway, that was in November of uh, 82, my folks... My brother and sister, they were up up in Colorado because mines closed down and my brother got a job and uh, who knows what all. Anyway, uh, January 7th, 1983 is my sobriety date. I haven't found it necessary to take a drink since that day. Uh, there was an old uh, the Salt River Intergroup was down there, right by the hospital and gifting gift and I was there and stuff. And, you just go to a meeting. Uh, finally, finally got to leave the hospital and walked over there to a meeting, and uh, that was where I first went to an AA meeting. And then a bunch of you guys came by the hospital and uh, took me to Shooker's way back when. You guys took me up to Black Canyon City. I met Smitty. It's been a trip. I didn't think I'd make it. I didn't think I could get three months. I didn't think I could get two days, you know. I didn't think I could do it, and I couldn't do it. That was the biggest thing. I could not do it. I could not do it. I needed help, but I couldn't ask for help. What happened was I was uh, about five months sober. I was living in a halfway house, and uh, I went down to the courts and turned myself in and lied, da da da, and time to face the music. Don't do that, but I did it, and uh, I was looking at some prison time for all the DWIs, and instead of they gave me a year probation and took away my driving privilege in the state of Arizona, and. Uh, I was going to a meeting. It was uh, Cactus Capers. There was very few meetings in Phoenix at the time, and this was on Sunday. My dad lived around the corner, my mom and dad. And so I went to Cactus Capers, and I was there fixing stuff up, and my probation officer came in. I thought, oh, shit, he's checking on me. And I told this guy, you know, my PO's here, and don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, the meeting started, and he's still there. I'm going, oh man, he's really checking on me. I mean, it's, it's all about me, you know. And then they asked about birthdays, and uh, Bill was his name. The probation officer stood up and got a ten-year chip. After the meeting, he says, "I need to see you in my office Monday, and don't be don't be late. You best be there." And I walked in there, and he goes, "I want you out of this state." I said, okay, I'm ready to go. You know, I've been wanting to go back to Vegas. And he goes, it's time for you to leave now. And it was St. Paddy's Day. I'll never forget it. I went down to Sky Harbor Airport, and I got on a plane, and I flew to Las Vegas. A lot of people were saying I was running drunk, except for one guy, Dean. I I had a sponsor, and his name was Dean, and he talked to the word if... If, if I go to Vegas, if I get a job, if I, if, if, if is the biggest word for a newcomer like me, if, I, if, and he, we sat there and talked, and I took off, I left, uh, Sky Harbor, and I got on this plane, and a stewardess came by, and she goes, what you want to drink? I never been on a plane sober, and, uh, there's a guy sitting right here, and he says, I'll, I'll take a Coke. I said, I'll take one, too. And she gave us a Coke, and he just got out of Houston, Texas. He was a, at the VA hospital down there for recovery. And we talked the whole way there from Phoenix to Las Vegas, McCarran Airport. We we landed. I had the outside, and he had the window. I got up, out of that chair, and he wasn't there. He was, I'd never seen him again in my life. Was I insane at that time? Was that a figment of my imagination? Was there another angel with me? I don't know. But this guy I talked with the whole time up there, I mean, that was one of the, one of the little spiritual awakenings I had that I didn't even know I had in this program, and that was kind of cool. I was less than six months sober when I'm up there, and it was Fourth of July weekend. I wanted to drink or commit suicide because I could not drink like I did because I just got out of the hospital six months earlier and almost killed myself from drinking. And uh, I was sitting in a Oakland Club up there, and there's about 150 people in there. And uh, every time you guys said higher power, I heard the word Jesus Christ, and you guys pissed me off. I didn't want nothing to do with this JC stuff. But that ain't what you were saying, but my disease was telling me to run. Run. This is what these people are doing, their religion, run. But I didn't run. I ended up meeting a guy. I was ready to commit suicide. I went outside, and Dan was there. <clears throat> he goes, you don't need to do it. And I said, well, do what? And he goes, I know what you're going to do. <laughs> I said, okay. He goes, I got a friend that you need to meet. He's speaking up here this weekend. And I said, okay, let's do it. And uh, <clears throat> I met a guy named Clarence Snyder, and he was one of the original members out of the Oxford Movement. And he's the man that showed me what's in this book. Uh, showed me every step. We did every step that week, and we did it within about eight hours on a kitchen table. Uh, me and him just talked, he, and he read this book to me. Um, we got to the third step in here. second step is not in this big book. It does not say you are now at step two. That's the only step you will not find in this big book. You'll find about uh, Jay jaywalker. you'll find about the uh, guy running across and getting hit by a by the fire truck. But the next mention uh, more about alcoholism, it talks about this first step in recovery. We admit it that we're to our innermost self. And then as you read, the next thing you know is uh, step three of uh, prayer, and we got down on our knees and we prayed. I said a third step prayer with that man and uh something happened. He shot me a piece of paper and I he said there's three things you gotta put on that paper and everything else is bullshit. That's about the way he talked to me a little bit rougher, but and he said there's three things you gotta put. God, Richard, and alcoholism on that fourth step, and everything else is just bullshit. So I listed those three things, Richard. God and alcoholism, and then I had a few other things. There was a total of 18 because I know it. It was mine. And, uh, was it a thorough inventory? Yes, it was at that time because it got me to where I am today. And we uh, did what we did. We got back down on our knees and did the seven step prayer and we listed all my assets and liabilities. He turned me on to the four absolutes of this program which we hardly ever talk about anymore, and if I do, it's because you're old Nazi AA. And it's like, uh, uh, too bad, man. That's the only way I know. That's what it got me sober, you know. You know, four absolutes, and uh, it wasn't 90 meetings, 90 days. It was doing the steps of Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Not off the wall. Uh, none of that. And uh, Anyway, and Told me I had to give it away to keep it. And he left, went back to Clearwater, Florida. I never seen a man again in my life. Um, Never seen him again, never talked to him on the phone. But that night, the desire to drink was lifted. It was gone. Uh, Has the thoughts ever returned? Oh, yeah, they've returned. I have redone all my steps. Probably a couple more times than I want to but there's one step I have never had to redo and that's the first step I've never had to drink again but I've been totally crazy <laughs> I totally forgot about God I totally had some super bad resentments I mean just on and on and on And uh, but that's part of living you guys didn't promise me a rose garden I didn't ask for one. I just didn't want to drink. Uh, is it going to get better? Hell no, it's not going to get better. <laughs> you know, that's that's my alcoholic thinking, man. It's not going to get better. Um, a year I stayed salivate up there in Las Vegas. I, everything was working cool. And uh, I met a gal, and uh, we got married. And... Uh, My 10th birthday, my 10th AA birthday, uh, she left me for another woman. And uh, I was living in Globe one more time, and I had two sons, and uh, my world turned upside down, uh, literally upside down. Uh, I I had a good job up there, but I couldn't go into AA up in Globe because they took sides. Uh, They all backed my wife, uh, ex-wife now, but... uh, I couldn't go in there. She was there. She had a peace bond on me. Uh, I couldn't go in shopping centers, peace bond, and all this crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, I came down to Valley Phoenix when I was a little over 10 years sober. I came back to Phoenix, and uh, man, I was in dire straits. Uh, I remember sitting on a road, and uh, I had this vision. I was totally <clears throat> insane, but this vision came was, uh I saw this tunnel and the light was there, you know, like a train coming or whatever. And I, this vision was really hard. And uh, something said walk towards the light. And I am sitting on a curb down by my dad's house. I had nowhere to go. <clears throat> I, I visited myself getting up and walking into this light. And it said, okay, turn around and help the next guy coming through to this light. I mean, that doesn't sound like much to you guys, but it it made me feel like I was connected again. And uh, I I ran into a bunch of guys at River Rats and Vietnam Vets and uh, riding bikes, you know, motorcycles. uh, That helped me through that period of time. I had to do a fear list. I had to do my... Four step again, I had to get right with God, I had to do a God box thing, which we don't talk about hardly anymore, about God boxes here, but I uh, I had to revert back to my basic stuff, I mean basic, 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 and uh, I got right, I didn't need nothing, I didn't want nothing, I was just totally at peace, I knew as a real person, I knew uh, I didn't fail as a father. I knew my kids were gonna be okay, whether they liked me or disliked me, uh, you know. And then, I, then I happened to meet Deb. And the first time I saw her, she was with a guy, and I didn't want nothing to do with her because I won't, I won't mess with your woman. And I mean, I never have. I mean, I just don't. You know, now if your woman comes up to me, that's a different story. You know, (laughs) that's how it was when I was drinking. But you know what I mean? I didn't go looking for women that were connected. And uh, when we first met, I thought she was married and stuff, and she wasn't. And we phone dated for six months, I guess. What page on? I lied to her. <laughs> I lied to her a lot. Yeah, I'm doing a book, but no, I was, I say that, but uh, it was cool. I mean, I didn't jump right into a relationship. I, we got to know each other, and then we finally went out to a date on it. We went to an H&I uh, picnic, and that was the first time we physically dated. We went to a Swara Ranch Park down there in Glendale, to H nine event and that was her first date and the rest of history. She's been through me and then at fourteen years sober I was back up on the fifth floor again, mentally insane. Uh, they brought my fourteen year chip up to the mental ward. I celebrated fourteen year sobriety in a mental institution <laughs> at the VA. And at that time I was not Paranoid schizo, I have PTSD. Uh, and they finally tried to help me. I needed help because the steps could not help me with what I was going through. I mean, I was I was in a place that I can't tell you about, but uh, I was at that place. Uh, so I had to go up there and get on medication and, uh, you know, started this big go ride, and uh, steps could not help me get through them big old rides. I had to go to a, a mental institution and uh, not drink, not drug, not do anything, just do what they told me to do and uh, got through it. Uh, after I went through that, though, uh, I fell for my VA benefits, my service connection and stuff, and I got my service connection, I'm a hundred percent disabled vet. Uh, But what's then cool is they reinstated all my medals. when I was 17 years old. You know, I believe in it. Life's been good married three times. i got a woman with me now. We have got grandchildren. We have got kids. We got a mixed-up family. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, we went to Kauai with another AA couple. Uh, a few years ago before that, uh, her dad connected up with her, and we went down to the Aruba and stuff on a cruise ship. I mean, we. Do, I got to do stuff that I never thought I'd do. I never thought I'd do You know, uh, I got my driver's license back. Never thought I'd get that back. I got the right to vote back. I never thought I'd get that back. Uh, you know, I'm a grandfather. And that little girl that... uh for my first wife, I, when she was seven years old, I gave her up for adoption because she wrote me or called me on the phone. I forget what what it was, but I was sober at the time, and she said, "Hey, uh, you're no longer my dad. I don't like you. I hate you. I just want you to send, sign adoption papers." I said, "Okay, Holland, you send me the papers, and I'll sign it." And that was a Christmas. Uh, I was sober then, with that first wife in sobriety, and. Uh, I signed them papers, and uh, she's going all right. You don't have to pay child support no more. And it's like, yeah, okay. I should have realized something then, but I didn't. Uh, it was hard to sign that paper, but I did. Uh, when I was 18 years sober, uh, she called me up one day, and she goes, uh, "This is Holland. Do you know who I am?" And I said, "Yeah, I do you get my daughter?" She goes, I'm in town here. Would you like to see me? And I said, sure. And she goes, I want to meet you over at uh, Chewy's, a Mexican restaurant over there on Tatum and uh, whatever, Boulevard, some big shopping center over there. She said, I'll meet you there at noon. I left at 8 o'clock that morning in my truck to make sure I didn't have a flat tire run out of gas or nothing. Uh, But I got there, (laughs) and I was there at 830 But uh, I got to reconnect with her. And then she came back out. She was in California, and she grew up in uh, Pennsylvania with her mother and uh, father that, that did the best he could with her. Uh, but as soon as she got old enough, she went to California. So that kind of tells me about her childhood. You know, She sort of went from the east to the west coast. And she came back the second time, and Deb and I got to meet her. And she came over to tell us, uh, to introduce her to her new husband to be and asked us to come to her wedding, not to give away, but to be at her wedding. And we went out there and, uh, had fun. The day I went to Ron Wheathorn's, uh, Memorial, he was a friend. Uh, I was getting dressed to go to his, uh, Memorial. The phone rang, and it was my daughter, and she's been married six, seven months, I don't know. Her husband was killed that day. Uh, she rode up, she rides bikes, and she's a motorcycle freak, just like her dad. And uh, she rode up on him, and she was the first one there to find him, but he was dead, and I said, I'll come out right now, and she said, no, Mom's here, and I don't want that to happen, so. Anywho, uh, that was strange. But I still got that connection with that daughter I never had connection with for 18 years. Today, I still have that connection. You know, I never thought that would happen again. I mean, there's a, so much stuff that's happened in somebody that we don't even think about. Every one of us in this room said something miraculously happened, and we just... Sometimes forget about it. But within closing, I want to just say uh, two things. Uh, this is what the old timers told me when I got here. was Before you bend your elbow, Richard, bend a knee. And I thought, you guys are stupid. But I tried. It. <laughs> but before you bend an elbow, bend your knee. And the other thing was the ABCs. Indian Joe told me this one when I first got sober ABC, admit, begin, and continue to do something about your alcoholism. And thank you for calling on me to come out here. Thanks.